Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. everybody and welcome to episode 86 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. I'm here with Justin Rosario. Justin, how are you today? I am awesome. It's been a great week. Uh, and that means we have an exciting show for you. If Justin's in a good mood, it means Republicans are in trouble. So yes, uh, this week, <laughs> we have on the show today, we have Donald Trump who's threatening the judge, witnesses and prosecutors in his latest indictment after being warned not to. Is he being held accountable? We're going to talk about that. Special counsel Jack Smith now has Trump's Twitter account. What could he be, hi- what could he be hiding? Oh, this is going to be interesting. We took the election subversion memo, a stunning New York Times story describing in detail the plot by Trump and his lawyers to subvert election results in six different states. Is Supreme Court, Clarence, uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas the most corrupt justice in history? Could well be. Ohio proves that abortion is turning out to be a terrible issue for Republicans to run on in 2024. We then have our Fascists of the Week, and they're followed by our Ray of Sunshine, where we highlight a positive story to remind you that it isn't all doom and gloom. Uh, Then in the emergency meeting, we're going to go back to the doom, unfortunately, where we're going to be talking about the FBI shooting of domestic terrorist Craig Robertson from Utah and the extraordinary double standards Republicans have when it comes to political violence. Well, he should have complied. That, that's all I got to say. He should yep. have complied. Yep, that's so, how it goes. <laughs> all right, let's get going. Donald Trump, uh, speaking of domestic terrorists, Donald Trump, he he's been, <laughs> threatened ju- the, the judge, the witnesses, and the prosecutors in his latest indictment. And this, this led to the January 6th prosecutors asking for protective orders, citing a threatening post from Trump. This is from the New York Times. The federal prosecutors overseeing the indictment of former President Donald J. Trump on charges of seeking to overturn the 2020 election asked the judge on Friday night to impose a protective order over the discovery evidence in the case, citing a threatening message that Mr. Trump had posted on social media. By mentioning the incendiary post in an otherwise routine request seeking to keep Mr. Trump from making evidence public, the prosecutors in the office of Special Counsel Jack Smith were drawing the attention of the judge, Tanya S. Chutkin, to Mr. Trump's long-standing habit of attacking those involved in criminal cases against him. Hours later, Trump's campaign responded with a statement calling the post the definition of political speech. The statement suggests the post had not been directed at anyone involved in the election interference case saying it was meant for mr trump's political adversaries uh-huh yeah. he said if you go after me this is what trump wrote he said if you go after me i'm coming after you so uh which <laughs> seems like a fairly obvious and fairly blatant threat yeah no i mean he's such a he's such a thug he's such a mobster thug and he it's so obvious he what he's himself. doing he can't he can't he can't help himself Nope, he really can't. His lawyers must just want to just cry every single day. 
Well, I mean, the one of the issues is that because Trump just says crazy stuff all the time, he's never really held accountable for what he says. Everyone's like, well, he doesn't know what he's saying and he's just speech and he don't worry about it. They're trying that's the big argument about the uh, the indictment, right? That um, Trump telling people to break the law and do this is all free speech, apparently. Yeah, like, except you know, I can't say, hey, Ben, wouldn't it be great if you went and set that building on fire? Oh, he set that building on fire. Well, it's not my fault. I just said he should probably do it. It's not, I didn't actually tell him to do it. That's not how that works. That's yeah. not at all how that works. So, I mean, look, it doesn't appear that Trump is facing any consequences for his actions, again, because it does seem like he gets very special treatment. Yeah, and, and that's the sucky thing. That's the thing that's super, super annoying is that if they sl- if they slap him down, right, if, if they if they do anything to him, if they put a gag order on him and he he'll just ignore it. Right. And if they put him in, if they hold him in contempt and they put him in uh, a jail cell for even two hours, he'll just scream that it's mm. political persecution and it's oppression and blah, blah, blah. And he, that's what he wants, right? So he can say that they're all against him and the trial can't be fair because he's being mistreated, even though literally anybody else would be in jail. Mm. But if he gets, if they do any of that to him, if they treat him like they would treat anyone else, so he gets to, he gets to literally have his cake and eat it too, right? He mm. gets to threaten witnesses, he gets to threaten judges, he gets to threaten prosecutors, and if they lift one finger to stop him, he wins. If they don't, he still wins, right? The only way this ends is if they win the case and they throw him in jail, right? At which point, that's the only way he really loses because he'll be in jail. But he gets away with all of this in the meantime, which mm. is insane that we have to deal with this kind of nonsense. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, he has unfortunately drawn, he's drawn the worst judge possible for him leading us. So when it does come to trial, like, I do believe that he's going to be held accountable. I don't think this job is, judge is fucking around at all. So yeah, I don't think be... she'll I don't think she'll throw him in jail for this, but no. I don't think she's going to I don't think she's going to be like, well, we don't want to be mean to him down the road. She's like, yeah, no, nope, the trial started. <laughs> no. Yeah. So it does seem that that could, that's probably what's going to happen. He's it's just not a smart thing to do from Trump's perspective, even though he's he's kind of getting away with it. It isn't really a bright thing for him to make these statements in public, but he's going to piss the judge off more and more and more. Why would you do this? Why would you try to piss off a judge? Well, I mean, I'm sure what he wants is for her to say something angry or do anything that he can say, well, nope, I need a mistrial or I need her recused or we'll take it to Supreme Court and have it all overthrown because the judge said a mean thing about me and she hurt my feelings. That's, I know no. that's what he's, what he's hoping for is to get a mistrial because – you know, he angered the judge and blah, blah, blah. Therefore, it's all unfair and I'm a victim, blah, blah, blah. And he, you know, if he can, if he can give the Supreme Court, because I know that's what he's hoping for, anything to hang their hat on. So she has to be super careful about that while he's antagonizing her as much as humanly possible. And I'm sure she's 100% aware of it. Yeah, it, it, it seems, she seems like a very, very smart 
judge. I mean, she's also, like we discussed last week, she's one of the strictest and she's imposed serious penalties on January 6th rioters. She sent them to jail, giving them very long sentences. Which again, I mean, I don't get it. Like Trump, if this is your strategy, it's not it's not a great strategy. He doesn't seem like a very smart thing to do. But no, because if she if she says you're not get you're not gonna get the goat from me, and you know, she ends up handing down her sentences, I don't know that the Supreme Court is gonna look at that and say, Yeah, we're gonna override her for no particular reason and then have to explain that to the public. Right. There's only so far they're going to go for Trump. And they so far have not gone very far for him at all when it comes to uh, for this type of stuff. Right. And it does seem that also the indictment is so airtight. It's such a compelling case. All of them. I mean, this one in particular is extremely compelling that and they're not going to try him on this stuff unless they think it's going to work. Right. And unless they think they're almost certain they're going to get. Uh, an indictment that they're going to get a guilty a guilty charge because uh, Jack Smith is no dummy right? he really isn't and this is one of the reasons why I think the case, this has taken so long to put these cases together and Merrick Garner may or may not he may have screwed democracy or he may have saved it it's hard to history will judge him right well it's... hold on let's be clear here Jack Smith has not been on the case for very long Jack Smith mm. put this together lightning fucking speed. Merrick Garland really took a long time to get this going. That's true. That is true. But I mean, the the DOJ as a whole has has moved. They have moved slowly on this, but it could be that you know there are lots of things that had to be set into motion before you could put Jack Smith in charge and go for prosecution. Right, and the FBI was part of that as well because they were fighting tooth and nail not to do this because there's so many Trump sympathizers there. They exactly. didn't want to do any of this. And exactly. they had to have their arms twisted. Well, look, speaking of special counsel Jack Smith, uh, we, he now has Trump's Twitter account. <laughs> so uh, Bob Seska wrote a piece this week on, on that. It was kind of entertaining because Elon Musk spent quite a lot of money trying to stop this from happening. I think he spent $350,000. Yeah, trying to stop the U.S. government from getting hold of Trump's Twitter account, which seems extraordinary that you would do that when this guy, like, incited a riot and tried to overthrow an election, committed grievous crimes against his own country. And the U.S. government has a right, the Department of Justice has a right then to investigate him thoroughly. And that includes looking at his public fucking social media account. It's insane that Musk would have spent that much money trying to protect Trump. Well, well for free speech, right? But he's not when you're not. Oh, that is not speech. at all why he did. He didn't do it for free free speech. He's full of shit. No, right. You got to well, remember. He, yeah, he did, he did it for the PR. I bet I did. He did it so he could tell all of his Twitter Twitter fans that he tried to stop the U.S. government from investigating a Twitter user, that, that they would protect, they're going to protect people from the overreach of the government, the deep state, blah, 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 blah. Well, you also got to remember, a Twitter account is not just your public tweets. It's also your DMs. So yeah, the DMs are going to be interesting, although I'm not sure. Do you think Trump's the kind of, a, kind of guy who would have used DMs? Oh, I'm sure he, he loves Twitter. He loves mm. it. 
I'm sure he's. I'm sure he contacted some people. It doesn't have to be a ton of them, but it has to be just what? enough. I don't remember so. who he was tweeting, who, who who he was following rather. Who was Trump following on Twitter? Did he follow anyone? Oh, I'm I don't sure know. People. So it'd be interesting if we knew who Trump actually followed. We might be able to tell who he was. He may have been DMing, right? Um, <laughs> but I don't remember because he deleted his account or he took his account offline. So we don't we don't actually know. But that is it is an interesting development, and I think they're going for it because they believe that there's incriminating evidence there. And given he did all this stuff in public on Twitter anyway. I mean, it's, it's a strange spectacle watching this trial unfold or watching these these indictments unfold. That the Trump's legal defense—they're saying that what we all saw happen. I mean, we all saw what happened. It was played out in public. He incited people to riot on Twitter, right? He did it on television. There were cameras there. We've seen him do it, and there, there's this whole game that's being played where it's like, well. You, what you saw happening was not what you saw happening. Like what happened didn't really happen. Trump didn't really say what he said. It's it, like gaslighting to the extreme. And it's like if and even if he did, it well, it wasn't illegal. It's like, uh, no, it actually was. <laughs> it actually was illegal to do that. It's like, no, it was free speech. No, no, it wasn't. It was not free speech. It was certainly not free speech. Which is not like if you if you're coordinating a crime, this is it's like yeah, like yelling fire, right? If you yell fire in a movie theater, that's a crime. It is not a fact. That's, that, that's not protected free speech. So anyway, we look. We have uh, the elect, election subversion memo, which is a New York Times story this week describing in detail the plot by Donald Trump and his lawyers to subvert election results in six different states. This is pretty bad news. Yeah, the fact that they wrote it down, it's like, oh my God, what? Are you serious? I mean, they didn't just write it down. They wrote it down in detail, in specific, clear detail. And what was the guy's name? Something, Chessborough? This is from The Guardian. A previously unseen internal memo from the 2020 campaign describes in detail the plot by Donald Trump and his lawyers to subvert election results in six states, according to a copy obtained by the New York Times. The memo describes a three-pronged plan to prevent Congress from certifying Joe Biden's victory on January 6th that involved coordinating with Republican electors and campaign attorneys in six states, as well as Mike Pence. It also emphasized the importance of the participation of by all six states and messaging about this being a routine measure as well as logistics regarding what is now known as the fake elector scheme. The letter was written by Kenneth Cheesebro. Great name. That's how you pronounce it. So uh, he's a cheese bro, uh, an attorney associated with Trump who's believed to be one of the six unnamed co-conspirators in the indictment against Trump over his attempt to subvert the results of the 2020 election. Much of Cheeseboro's actions have been revealed through previous memos and through the January 6th investigation last year. But this memo brings further detail to light about the fake elector scheme that he concocted. So these idiots wrote this down. And he actually wrote in the memo, I'm not necessarily advising this course of action. It's like they knew that this was illegal. They knew this was not this was not constitutional. They knew it wasn't legal and they knew it was all bullshit. But this was what they thought they were going to be able to get away with, and it didn't work. And now they're all very, very screwed, and a whole bunch of people are going to jail. 
Like all these electors, all the ones who cannot convince a jury that they didn't, because some of them legitimately think they got hoodwinked, right? Or at least they're being really good liars about it. Mm. Um, Although I think actually some of them did get actually hoodwinked um, because that's, that's an odd defense to use. But so, because a bunch of them were just really proud of what they were doing. And some of them were like, I had no idea what they, what we were doing. I didn't think we were actually doing something illegal. What do you mean we were doing something illegal? And those are the ones that are cooperating. But um, there's a whole bunch of them that were super proud of it, and they took videos of it, and they bragged about it, and those people are going to jail. Because, oh, well, you can't be proud of committing a crime and then later say, I didn't realize it was a crime. It's like, yeah, too bad. Not knowing it was a crime and doing it, you know, when you were doing something that you that, – that you, like. Some of them literally had no idea what they were doing. A bunch of them really, really did, and they did it all over the country. And those people are all very, very screwed. And I don't feel like no pity for them. Why would you write this down? Because they didn't think they would get – they thought they were going to win. They thought they were going to get away with it. That's the whole thing. That's the Nixon problem, right? If you think you're going to get away with it, if you think you're above the law, then why wouldn't you? Right, there's the whole thing with the January 6 rioters. They did all that stuff because they thought they were going to win and when you win, you don't get in trouble. Mm. So why not? But, I mean, it's it really is bonkers. Yeah, like, they just they had no thought that there were ever going to be consequences. The sheer weight of evidence now against Trump on this particular indictment. This is not even not even talking about the classified documents. Uh, what was the first indictment? I'm losing track of these all these indictments, right? We've got the um, the one up in New York yeah, um, for his business. Good. Yes, that was it, right? Right, that one seems so quaint and tiny now, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, just a little business lying. That's that so adorable. <laughs> right, right, right. Just a little white crime, <laughs> white collar crime. It is amazing that I can't. My brain is like, okay. How many? There's three. How many crimes? Because there were 40 separate charges just in the uh, files, the hidden, what do you call it? The classified documents. There were like 40 separate charges or 37, something like that. 37. I remember it's 37 because it was a clerk's joke there. 37. And then there were four charges in the latest indictment. And I think it's 31 with the New York one. Yeah, he's like, he's over 70. At this point, he's like 71 charges, I think it's the total. Yeah. So, yeah. Or 72, something like that. Breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. And uh, next week, or sometime this week, um, Fonnie Willis down in Georgia is going to drop her bomb. And, you know, then he'll have four different uh, sets of indictments against him for four separate crimes. Astonishing. Yeah. But don't forget. When you're under investigation by the FBI, according to Glenn Greenwald and the alt left, you can't. You're disqualified for running for president, but only if your name's Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Doesn't count when your name's Donald Trump. Yeah, the, this is the reactions from the alt left and the alt right towards all this stuff. It is. It is. It's astonishing how they're able to keep their focus on the crimes of the neoliberal deep state Democrat cabal elitists, where they will pick up on any tiny. Like the smallest thing, I think, what was the last thing? Jordan Peterson was ranting and raving about uh, Joe Biden not explaining to the American public why 
they are sending so much aid to Ukraine is the biggest scandal he's ever seen. Oh, for God's most, sakes. Something like that, right? And you, you're thinking, well, first of all, he has. He's articulated this multiple times about why it's absolutely crucial to ensure that Putin doesn't expand beyond its current borders and it's kept in check. So Biden has been very, very coherent and explicit on this particular thing. Uh, but, like, amazingly, you know, this is what he's tweeting about. Oh, he, Jordan Peterson had another thing to say about the indictment. that He said he's suspicious of the latest indictment because there are so many charges. Oh, my God, I saw that. That was insane. Yeah, because there are so many charges, it means that they're trying to throw, you know, they're throwing a lot of mud to see what sticks. Well, maybe it's because he committed a lot of crimes. Maybe. I don't know. That was was bonkers. Bonkers, right. But this is, these are the reactions we're getting from alt media, alt alt Twitter, and all these weirdos in the alt left and right. Um, Well, look, let's, moving on to more corruption. Supreme Court, Clarence Thomas, is he the most corrupt justice in history? I'm having a hard time imagining someone could be beat. Someone in history has beaten him at this point. Like, what? What? I mean, how much worse could it get? Oh wait, huh, look who we're talking about. It's Clarence Thomas. Yeah. So here we are. This is a ProPublica, the conservative justice who has come under scrutiny for his failure to disclose such gifts. Took at least 38 vacations, 26 private jet flights, eight flights by helicopter, a dozen VIP passes to sporting events, as well as stays at luxury resorts in Florida and Jamaica. The non-profit news site reports. ProPublica notes that Thomas appears to have broken the law by failing to disclose flights, cruises, and sports tickets. Right? ProPublica previously revealed that Harlan Crow, a Texas billionaire, paid for Thomas's vacations, his mother's house, and a nephew and a nephew's tuition payments. What? I, I mean, this is just breathtaking amount uh-huh. of corruption. Yeah. <laughs> and there's going to be more. Oh yeah, there's definitely more. Now, here's the important part. Okay. All of these rich billionaires and multimillionaires that are his close personal friends all became his close personal friends after he became a Supreme Court justice, which is weird. I mean, the man's man's in his 70s, and he met these close, deep, personal, lifelong friends only after 1991. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I mean, what what happened? In um, what happened? I, yeah, what, I feel no, like what, making even... friends after forty is is kind of weird, right? Like when you get making really close friends after the age of I don't know, even thirty five. To be honest with you, was I, I found not the same thing as making friends in your twenties and your thirties. But this guy is going making lifelong friends in his seventies. I mean, I mean, I made I made a really close personal friend. In my 40s, that would be Claudia, our next door neighbor. But mm. we don't shower each other with multi-billion dollar gifts. That's that's not that kind of friendship. But it, it does seem a little odd that how many people were just lining up. It's like, oh, man, I, I just met this guy, Clarence, and he's such a cool guy that I just want to give millions of dollars to him. Oh, he's also Supreme Court Justice? I had no idea. And pay for his nephew's schooling. Yeah, I want, like that's but, really nice. Yeah, I, just, mate, I had no idea what he does for a living. He's just such a nice guy, and his wife Ginny—they're such lovely. nice people. They're lovely. So, people. Do you think? Do you think that anything will come from this? Um, not strictly for Clarence Thomas because he is him and his him and his wife. He and his wife are utterly shameless. 
right? Yeah. They have no morality whatsoever. They're completely without shame. They cannot mm. be embarrassed. Like mm. he would have, they would have to be videos of him with an underage prostitute, otherwise known as sex trafficking. Um, there's that would be the only way I could ever see him walking off the court. Um, now the other thing we were discussing this before the show. What I could see happening is if this keeps going, and it's definitely going to keep going because okay. you know, like we've discussed before. All this stuff was out there, right? None of it was hidden in any way, shape, or form because they enjoy a level of immunity to scrutiny because no one wants to talk about Republican corruption. But until they and once they start talking about it, though, the floodgates open and there's just so much of it that they either get shamed off the court, which is not going to happen, or Congress is forced to do something. And mm. to prevent that, I can see the other members of the court pressuring him. It's like, you've got to go. You, you're threatening the independence of the court. And mm. we'll throw you under the bus before we let that happen. Mm. But I don't know how. I mean, there's really nothing they can do. Like, what could the other justices do to him? Not I mean, eat lunch with him? Was, if this had been a liberal, this would have been over. Like, they would have resigned already. Oh, my God. Yes. Like, the, the first time that uh Sonia Sumada so Sonia Sotomayor like you know uh, accepted a, a $50 gift card for for McDonald's they would have been like oh my god this is this is an intolerable scandal and she has to be off the court yeah and they would have drummed her out of the supreme court but republicans I mean, are expected to be um, yeah, corrupt you can impeach you can impeach supreme court justices that that is possible but i don't know if there's grounds for that yet and what the process would be well i mean there would be grounds for it if it was a, if a liberal there, yeah there, it would definitely be happening already but you right? need i think it's two-thirds of the senate you need and that's not going to happen right republicans will never remove their own supreme court justice especially if that puts their control of the court at risk mm. or if it makes it so it is no longer they're no longer able. Uh, it puts a swing vote back in play because Robert. I've long maintained. I've long maintained that the Democrat that Biden should be stacking the court. That's my opinion. Well, that's what I'm hoping for next year that they pick up another two Senate seats, and then they can mm. tell Manchin and Cinema to go fuck themselves, and mm. now they'll have a 52 or 53 seat, and then they can just override their filibuster. They can get rid of the filibuster and they can just do what they have to do mm. because the Supreme Court is out of control. And with this level of uh, this yes. level of corruption going on with the Republicans, it's like they have to be reined in. They yep. have to be. This is insane. And what was it? Alito, I think yeah. it was a couple like last week or the week before was saying it's like, oh, well, Congress has no authority to regulate us. And it's like, I'm sorry, have you read the Constitution before? Constitutional, Constitutional scholar who's on the Supreme Court? Yeah. I mean, the last time, in, I think it was like 200 years ago, that a Supreme Court justice was impeached. Unsuccessfully. Yeah, that was yeah 200 years ago. I forget who it was. But so I, it's a lot, but they are, they can be held accountable. And I do think this does, it does go to the heart of the kind of the, I don't know, the, What's the word? The integrity or the health of democracy, right? Or the legal system. If the Supreme Court, if a Supreme Court justice can be this corrupt, this does call into question the legitimacy of the court itself. And that's not a good 
place to be. So I think right. that, especially yeah. since they've given themselves that level of power, and mm. now they're trying to say it's like, well, we can't be held accountable in any way, shape, or form. So it means we can be corrupt, and this, you can't yeah. do anything about it. These kind of issues took down empires back in the day. Like the Romans were constantly grappling with these sorts of issues, and once they believe uh, uh, an unaccountable part of government has got too much power, that's when you start to see uh, things start to break apart. You know, the Senate gets too much power, courts get too much power. This this is not good. I mean, look at what's happening in Israel. Look, look at what's going on in Israel where, where the, the opposite is happening. Netanyahu's trying to take away power from the courts. Right, so he can make to... himself unaccountable. Right, 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 right. So, But if the courts then try to make themselves unaccountable, you, you, would, you would see the inverse happening as well. You would see an, an equal reaction. Um, well, look, uh, just quick, let's move on quickly to Ohio. Right. This is, this, Sorry, this is, this is yeah. just another giggle. <laughs> so the Ohio vote, Republicans tried to rig democracy with a with a, an August vote, saying no more August votes, but there was a large turnout anyway. Uh, Three million people voted, fifty seven percent against the GOP's plan to restrict the power of the people to add ballot amendments. Four point three million voted in two thousand eighteen. Four point one million in two thousand twenty two. Uh, abortion is a very is a, this is not a good issue for them, is it? No, it's terrible. This is like this is killing them. Everywhere as it gets on the ballot, Republicans lose, which is why yeah. they tried to make sure it wouldn't get on the ballot in November. Mm. This wasn't even about abortion. This was strictly about Republicans trying to keep abortion off the ballot in November, and people showed up to stomp them into the ground mm. just for trying to do that so, mm. in, in, three, um, in three months. So imagine what's going to happen in November. It's going to be awful for them. You, know, you wrote a really good piece this week, by the way, about about how Trump is, is essentially screwed the Republican Party. Uh, and it's it's not just Trump. It's just the, the infrastructure of the GOP is falling apart. They're running on issues that aren't popular. And they it's now controlled by mega nutjobs. And they are destroying the party's infrastructure. Yeah, and they can't stop they can't stop pushing the abortion button like they know how bad abortion is doing for them and they can't stop harping on it like they if they will just stop talking about it even for 6 months mm. they could hopefully let it die down as an issue maybe possibly but they won't shut up about it like democrats haven't really started pounding this yet as an issue like they talk about it, but they haven't made it like a central pillar of their of their strategy. When Democrats really start doing that, and that's coming, it is just because remember, for 40 years, abortion was not a winning strategy for Democrats. It takes time for them to internalize that. Wait, this is a winning strategy for us now. Right. So they have kind of have to readjust their thinking it's hard i mean it's hard to overcome 40 years of inertia right once democrats really embrace this as a winning strategy republicans are going to suffer grievously and they're going to be really really mad about that and tough noogies they bought it on themselves this is literally what john roberts the supreme court justice was trying to protect them from he was trying to keep Republicans from doing this to themselves. He knew this is what was going to happen, which is why he was always the swing vote to keep them from killing Roe. And then they went ahead and did it. And now they're paying the price. 
oh well. Yeah, I, th- I think this is the 2024 election is, is far simpler than I think a lot of people think believe it needs to be. Um, I'm always oh, absolutely. contacted by friends of mine who aren't particularly political, but they're obviously very concerned about what's happening. And they're saying, is Biden going to get his ass kicked in 2024? And, you know, no, I don't think so. I've got to be honest. I don't think so. Still I really a lot don't. of angry women. <laughs> yeah. And also underestimate Biden at your peril and overestimate Trump at your peril. I mean, I think that you it's wise not to underestimate Trump either, but don't think that this this guy's capacity to self-destruct and the GOP's capacity for self-destruction is unmatched. Right? They did they don't have to do that much. They don't have to do that much to win elections, the GOP. They've got an entire the, the propaganda machine, media apparatus. And a lot tilted in their way to begin with. Yeah, right. They they've got major propaganda outlet. Fox News. The Democrats do not have that. They say MSNBC, CNN. They really aren't. But they're not. They're really not. They're really not. MSNBC kind of, but not really. Um, But nothing like Fox News. MSNBC does not repeat propaganda. It does not propagate provably false lies or conspiracy theories. Fox News does. And so the Republicans have a relatively easy job when it comes to shaping public opinion, but they're still managing to fuck this up. It's unbelievable. Okay. That's extremism. So look, we have our fascist of the week. Uh, Your pick this week, Justin. Uh, We have ourselves, um, the Republican Party in general, these (laughs) idiots. (laughs) This This was amazing. All right. So the House GOP has been making loud noises about impeaching Biden for, I don't know, the last year and change, two years, three, who knows. But they've been going on and on about how they want to impeach Biden, okay? Um, And they've had a million different investigations, and they're looking at this, they have this witness there, that witness there, right? None of it has panned out in any way, shape, or form. And a lot of it's been really, really embarrassing for them. Um, You don't know that if you watch Fox News. Like Fox News has deleted all of that information. So every time one of their witnesses turns out to be a Chinese spy or comes out and says, yeah, no, everything that you're saying is wrong. He actually, Biden hasn't done anything that you're saying. Fox News erases that information, right? Mm. So their audience only knows that something nefarious is happening, right? So as far as their audience is concerned, Joe Biden's guilty of a thing, whatever that thing is. He's guilty of something. They don't necessarily know what that thing is because that's what Fo- that's what the Republican Party and Fox News keeps telling them. So Republicans have kind of painted themselves into a corner. They are going to impeach Biden in some way. They're going to have an impeachment inquiry, in- inquiry sometime in the fall or going into the winter. And they kind of have to to do this. Now, this is quoting CNN politics. Republicans say if they don't move forward with an impeachment inquiry now, it will create the impression that House Republicans have essentially cleared Biden of any wrongdoing over his ties to his son Hunter Biden's business entanglements. Allegations, they say, show a pay-to-play scheme when the elder Biden was the vice president, even as they have yet to corroborate that provocative allegation. So basically, 
they can't prove anything, but they're still going to try and impeach him because if they don't, they'll look weak. And that is about as fascist bullshit as it gets. It's like we have to make something up to prove that we're strong, which is insane and so perfectly fascist because you always have to be strong. You can never be weak. So they're going to waste millions of dollars, hours and hours and days and weeks of of our time just to try and impeach Biden when they know they don't have anything. Right. And you've got to think about what would happen in, let's say, we fast forward to 2024 and Trump is in charge and the Republicans have one of the houses. What are these? What are these? Uh, what are these investigations or trials then look like against their political opponents? Well, now the scary thing about that is that he'll control the Department of Justice, and they'll do what they do in Russia, which is just fabricate evidence. Well, what, what one thing is that I do think that they will drop the Hunter Biden story like a like a sack of hot potatoes, right? That would be my guess because they know it's bullshit, right? They know it's complete nonsense. And they'll probably try and make up something else that has at least, you know, some chance of of, of them winning a victory in court. So, well, the thing but that w- well, the either thing that way, me is that they're going to start putting in judges who don't care. Like right now, yeah. if you show up in court, you have to have evidence. Mm. But if you start putting in judges, and th- they'll start doing this, who don't care. Well, I mean, again, that's what they do in Russia. They don't have to have evidence. Oh, mm. they could just make up evidence. They could just lie and say, oh, yeah, the FBI seized this laptop from Joe Biden's house. And just say, no, you didn't. Yes, we did. And you can't prove otherwise. Ta-da. Mm. And that's it. Because, I mean, they'll go whole hog because that's what you do when you're fascist and you're doing political oppression, you know, and political arrests. You just make stuff up. Yeah. Well, look, let's move on to our ray of sunshine. We've got uh, the ray of sunshine this week. Joe Biden putting up hundreds of thousands of signs all over the country on infrastructure projects that say project funded by President Joe Biden's bipartisan infrastructure law. This is, I thank God. Yes, yeah, seriously. He's doing this and the Democrats are doing this. Like, this is Trump put, put his name on things that he didn't even do. Yeah, he was claiming credit for all sorts of all sorts of government infrastructure programs that weren't had nothing to do with him, that were, you know, due to his predecessor, due to Barack Obama. But the Democrats have, and and I think this is one of my major criticisms of Obama that Obama never bragged enough about what he was doing while in office. No, he really didn't. It was very irritating. Yeah, Democrats have this real problem with telling the public what they're doing. I still think Biden doesn't do enough. He doesn't do enough. He doesn't highlight the progress that that we've made. He's not constantly talking about the major successes that that they've had, legislative successes when it comes to funding healthcare, when it comes to infrastructure projects, when it comes to environmentalism, um, you know, uh, the economy. They should be bragging about this 24-7, but they don't, and they allow Republicans to take over the narrative. So this is an example of, of the Democrats doing the right thing. It's awesome. It also it also combats um, Republicans who are forever voting against this stuff and then trying to take credit for it when it shows up in their towns. 
and yeah. their in their districts. It's like, oh, look at this great stuff I bought back. So you voted against it. Right. 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 So I'm hoping that this is a sign of things to come um, in, over the next year that uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats really do. They start to brand themselves better because right now the branding isn't great. I have to say, I know it's early days, but I do sense quite a bit of frustration on the left with how, um, you know, Biden not like, for example, here's one criticism for anybody who thinks that we don't criticize our own side or, you know, the Democrat. I don't view myself as on anyone's side, right? I view myself on the side of being of sanity, which happens to be more the Democrats thing. Uh, when you've got <laughs> an, an insane lunatics on the other side. But what one one issue I have, for example, would be is that like take the impe- take the indictment of Trump, take these three criminal charges that he's had over the past few months. Biden has not said anything about this. Not really. He hasn't made any public statements about this. And I think that that's the I think that's the wrong thing to do. I think that Biden should have been out there talking about it and saying, listen, uh, this is a terrible situation. I we're not we don't think this is something to celebrate, but the Justice Department is independent and they have, you know, they have the power that they've been granted in the Constitution to to prosecute people they think are worthy of criminal prosecution and that's what they're doing and the white house will have nothing to do with this this is purely a matter for the doj but he hasn't really said anything and he hasn't talked to the public about how to sort of process this right they've kind of kept quiet which i think i I think that's a mistake so i i don't think like the democrats again their messaging is not they're not good at messaging they do good things um and, but they miss out on all these opportunities. And this is kind of classic Democrat uh, dropping the ball on this kind of stuff. That would be my criticism. I don't know. What do you think about that, Justin? What's your... I think that this early into it, if he, if Democrats in general go out there and say, yeah, this guy deserves to be in jail, that's just going to play into the whole, it's a political persecution, blah, blah, blah. I think once the... Um, primaries well underway especially after trump wins the nomination because he's clearly going to win the nomination once he wins the nomination and he's the candidate i think all bets are off it's like well he's the nominee the Mm. guy's going to be a criminal this man's going to jail i think democrats should absolutely no holds barred it's like the man is under four different indictments or four different uh Mm. uh, not just federal federal and state criminal charges or uh, sets of charges against him he's like you know he's gonna have like 80 something indictments against him it's like this man cannot be president under any circumstances but they Mm. should wait until he's a nominee or whatever just let it let let the whole process start and then lay into him doing it this early it's just gonna play into his whole i'm a victim thing it's like once once republicans have made their choice it's like you made your choice you picked him as your nominee now we're going to start telling the American people about it. You made your choice. We don't want to hear about it now. You can't yeah. blame us for it. Could, yeah, I, I agree. I, but I do think sometimes that polit- you can't really play politics with this stuff all the time, that you also need to have this sense that Joe Biden is in charge of the country. That he's out there making powerful speeches. That, I think, is is important. And I, ha- I haven't really heard him do that in a while. So that's just my one small thing I would say 
Uh, anyway, I don't mean to ruin the ray of sunshine. <laughs> but look, let's move on. We're going to head into the emergency meeting podcast now, where we've got a very. Uh, <laughs> this was, I wouldn't say, uh, a happy subject. It was, it was kind of terrible, really. Um, we're going to be talking about this is the death of Utah resident Craig Robertson, who made repeated and specific threats online to shoot Joe Biden with a sniper rifle. This guy ended up dead. We're going to be talking about this and why the reaction on the right has been predictably ridiculous and the massive double standards that exist when it comes to talking about left-wing and right-wing violence. So anyway, thank you every, everyone for listening to this. Please come and join us in the Emergency Meeting podcast. You can get 50% off a band of membership, and you'll be supporting everything that we do, the podcast, every article that we write. Um, we're 100% independent. We rely entirely on you to keep going. We greatly appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you over in the Emergency Meeting. Later.